Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Good morning. We're back with Ayers on the Road. And we're really back. We're not in Hawaii any longer. We're back at our home at City Creek in Salt Lake City. We're right across from where they're doing the temple renovation, the historic Salt Lake Temple. And we can look out our window and we can watch cranes and bulldozers. And we like to bring our our grandkids like to just watch these big machines work. It's been crazy. Salt Lake City is becoming a new city. There's so much construction going on right now. You know, when when I was driving to get you at the airport yesterday, I counted eight cranes, eight of those mammoth cranes, you know, that that are used to build skyscrapers or tall buildings right right in the downtown area. My gosh, we are looking like Dubai. When we went to Dubai, <laughs> half of the cranes in the world were in Dubai. Remember that 62 cranes? We, the yeah. guy, our guide said half of the big, really big cranes in the whole world were in Dubai. Which has absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about today. <laughs> uh, but it is nice to be back. We loved it. I spent the weekend with... Our darling daughters, it has been so fun. Um, we have three, well, I have a daughter living in, in Phoenix, but two are in Salt Lake area, and one is in London, so we've been in touch with her just through Marco Polo and FaceTime, but um, it is so refreshing to just be with your daughters once oh, every yeah. year or you, so. I keep asking if I can come along and be like a chaperone or a bodyguard or whatever, but you don't, you don't want no, me. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's not the point. So um, we've had such a great time, and it's COVID uh, still, and so we, we did eat out a few times, but we're masked everywhere. Um, and it really has been so fun. I mean, you can't go to theaters. Uh, not many art galleries are open yet, and it really is a different experience. You, but it's beautiful. What do you like? What do you like? You come home, you're just glowing. What do you love so much about being with your grown daughters? I mean, you're one of them. You love that people always think you're one of the sisters, right? I know that. No, but. <laughs> And, and you told me somebody at the TSA counter the other day thought you were a movie star, right? You told me. You told me. Oh, uh, no. No, no. Um, but I think that it is a, kind of just the freedom of being away from your own house and being with your beautiful daughters that you love so much and seeing how much they know and have progressed and they're teaching me now. And it's so fantastic. We have one daughter that had uh, the goal to... Um, Learn Moonlight Sonata by Beethoven, and she has been working on that. And she's for, not a particularly accomplished great, musician. Yeah, she's had a lot of piano lessons, but we sat in her living room and listened to her to play that whole thing, and it was so beautiful. I was so excited. I went up and gave her a huge hug and said, all those piano lessons finally paid <laughs> off. Um, this is Shawnee. Some of you follow her on 71toes.com, her her blog. If you don't, you ought to check it out. 71, the numbers, 71toes.com. Because when they had their fifth child, she had an extra toe. And so until it was surgically removed, they they had 71 toes. And it's a hard name to forget. <laughs> Maybe that's why she has a million followers. I don't yeah. know. But it's... And and you have you might be asking yourself, what about the daughters-in-law? 
We have equally fabulous daughters-in-law, but they are in scattered here and there, and it, we love doing the uh, our getaway with them as well because they give so much input from uh, an outside world, so to speak, and uh, are fabulous people. So well, that's I, coming up. I always feel outdone by Linda on so many levels in so many ways, but I... I, I, I'm supposed to have this thing called Fathers and Future Fathers of Iron Realm. And I, I and we've done a lot of outings too, but I'll bet you're two to one. I mean, you get together with the daughters and the daughters-in-law twice for every one time I manage to get these guys together. But we are planning an Alaskan fishing trip. In the future when and we can. I mean, pretty soon if, if we're able to go by the early summer because that's when the salmon are running and we're doing it sort of in honor of my father. My my father would have turned 100 years old just a month or so ago, and we've been celebrating his 100th birthday. He died when he was 39 years old, so it's been 61 years since his death, but this is the year he turned 100. And so we have really been thinking hard about him and about what an amazing person he was and and we've um, we've got an email chain going. He has now more than a hundred descendants, and they um, they are spread all over the world. And we've been trying to do a birthday tribute to Dean Dean Iron, and we've we've read his journals. My brother, bless his heart, has put together all of his old journals and sent all even even the the young children have a copy now of Dean's journal and. I've been circulating a letter that he wrote to me the day before he died, and it's a beautiful thing. And um, you know what's great, Linda, is that everyone's responding. We've 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 even found some. He was born in 1921, of course, 100 years ago, and we found some Morgan silver dollars that are that are made minted in 1921, and we're all getting one of those and writing a single word on it of the thing we're going to try to do to emulate Dean or to honor Dean on this on this wonderful 100th birthday. Now, honey, you're not not, not everybody's running out to find a Morgan Silver Dog. No, you no, just I, happen well, to they, have them. Well, they, yeah, this just so. happened to work out that it was the very year. We were looking for some kind of a symbol that would unite us together and say, we're all remembering Dean and we all... Um, love him, and we're all trying to do this. My brother came up with this. I have a brother named Roland who said, "Why don't we honor Dean on his birthday by each of us making one resolution, or one self-improvement, or one commitment to service, or one thing that would that would emulate how he lived, and that would make a change for the better in our own individual lives, and that's the best way we could honor him." And so, uh, for example, I, I, when I think of my dad, I, the word that comes to mind is meek in the positive sense. He was meek in the sense that he was humble. He was very competent, very capable, very accomplished, very educated, and yet there was a meekness and a humility about him. And so on my, on my dollar, I wrote the word meek, and I'm, I'm putting that in a place in my library where I see it every day and I try to remind myself but now imagine a hundred descendants each coming up with one concept or one thing they're doing to honor this great in many cases great great and soon great 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 grandfather that they have wow it's really been a fun year and 
it is so important to talk with your kids about their ancestors. And, of course, no one knows them, including me, in, in the family, other than you and your siblings, because he died so young. Yeah. So it's been a great awakening for a lot of us. It's been a wonderful exercise. And as long as we're on it, you know, uh, my mother who's also passed, of course, but much more recently. She was a widow for how many years, Linda? 53 years. 53 years. And she passed only a few years ago in her late 80s, but uh, no. her 100th birthday is coming up um, next year. And so, you know, these things just kind of happen. You don't plan them, but we got a text from one of her uh, great-granddaughters who said, <laughs> you know, we have a brass bed that was passed down through the family, and as near as we can calculate, what we know it was the bed of Dan and Margaret Swenson, who were my mother's parents. Uh, we call them Grandpa Dan and, and, and Grandma Greta. But we know it was their bed, their brass bed. And they're pretty sure, because all their, their ten children they had were all born at home, and they're pretty sure that Ruth, my mother, was born on this bed, in this bed. So we're going to go get that bed, and we're going to take it to our gathering place where we get together in the summer. We're going to put a little plaque on it that says, Ruth Swenson Iyer was born on this bed uh, in, in uh, 1922, and we're going to do the same thing for her, try to remember her, try to honor her, try to think of stories we know about her, read her journals, look at old pictures. And talk about the hard things that they did in life in order to succeed and they all they all did such hard things and we think that you know our ancestors are the you know they're the ones that brought the uh, the covered wagons across the plains and so on but we have we're creating our own little series of hard things and so it's good for kids to do hard things themselves and that i think that makes them resilient and able to do harder things because their ancestors did. Many of you are listeners, are great genealogists, you're great at family history. Um, you all know, so many of you know the, the website Family Search, uh, which is so great and where you can put stories of your ancestors. And Linda, this all feeds into something that is the theme for our show today. It's taken us a while to get to it, but in a way, this has been a perfect segue, a perfect entree. Because what we're, what we're theming this show today is institutionalizing your family. Now, let me back up for a minute and ask you a question, honey. When I say institutionalize, <laughs> if I hadn't prefaced it in any way, what would come to your mind? <laughs> Take them off to the wacky bin. <laughs> I mean, isn't it funny that it, it, it has kind of a negative connotation? We're going to institutionalize it. It means a bureaucracy or a penitentiary or a place that you're put. or It can mean so many things. But if you take it in the positive, uh, an institution is something that lasts. Right. Right? Absolutely. And, and whether it's a university or um, a city or whatever, you know, it is, it does, it is something that lasts for a long, long time. And we all want our families to last. I mean, that's the bottom line. And how do you get something to last? Well, what do things, institutions that last have certain things, right? They have rules, they have 
certain standards. They have um, traditions. Uh, traditions. I guess that's the main thing. Rituals. Right. Um, they have an economic system that makes things work and so on. So we've kind of based our family on on these things that really make our family last and have boiled it down, really. I mean, there are other things I'm sure that you can think of, but to having a good economy, having a good um, set of laws or rules in the family, and uh, having traditions. Institutionalizing your family. And the reason, it was kind of serendipitous that we, we started on, on our ancestors and on Grandpa Dean and Grandma Ruthie and what we're doing to honor them on their 100th birthday because one thing that institutionalizes a family is knowing its history, knowing its founders, knowing what they did, right. the hard times they went through, the fact that you're carrying the banner that they started. This this is part of creating a strong family. And do you think do you think there's ever been a time, Linda, where kids have needed to be part of something permanent, part of something institutionalized, part of something lasting. There's the identity, there's the resilience, there's the the comfort level where they're not just out on their own. They're not just they're, they're part of something bigger than themselves and that's their family. Right. And we don't know where you are on this scale because it goes on forever. I mean from the past and then we'll go on to the future forever. And we don't know whether you're young parents or middle-aged parents or grandparents. It is always, uh, there's always a way to keep going on the process of in institutionalizing your family. We're really going to get into that in the second half of the show. Do you have a family motto? Do you have a family song? Do you have a family slogan? Do you have a family crest? I mean, all these things, which sometimes people think they're a little silly... But they're actually incredibly powerful because they make your children feel like they're part of something big and lasting. So hang on and we will be right back with some fun ideas. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back today talking about institutionalizing your family and if you haven't heard the first half don't be offended about that you're not taking them all off to the institute but we really are excited about thinking about institutionally institutionalizing your family because it is so it's the most important thing you can do let's tell you something something we did on instagram a couple of weeks ago by the way, um, we invite all of you to follow our Instagram page just because it's all about parenting. It's all about ideas and so on. Just it, It's a, at Richard Linda Iyer, all strung together on Instagram. And a couple of weeks ago, while we were in Hawaii, I was running one morning. Actually, you're the one that found this beautiful run, Linda. In fact, let's, let's set the stage, Linda. Tell, tell about this run that you went on almost every morning. Well, you're making it sound a little grandiose because I did not run the whole time. But oh, I did walk, jogged and, walk and jogged uh, along this beautiful path just around the corner from our family, from our little house. And we it just goes down past these little houses and it goes into a big gorge where there are horse corrals and, and uh, horse people who are training kids to ride horses. And avocado trees. And there are <laughs> avocado trees in every 
day, I think we've <clears> talked <throat> about this before, every day I've gone, I've found a beautiful avocado that's fallen off the tree. Oh, man, guacamole, I'm telling it you. It just falls <laughs> in front of you. I mean, sometimes it gets a little uh, buffed up from falling, and sometimes an animal's had a bite or two out of it, but <laughs> it really is amazing. And then you go on up, and at the end of that path, there is a gorgeous old graveyard. And I love to go in there and look around the Baldwin family that started at Makawa, which is where we were, or that yeah. part of the country, or buried yeah. there. And it is magnificent. So anyway, Linda told me about the cemetery, and I was walking around there, and there was this one really gorgeous gravesite, and uh, there's a little bench, a little marker there, that has the family motto of this family that's born there. And it's just a beautiful little bench, and it says... Be happy, love God, do kindness. And I thought, how interesting that this family has this motto, and it's now on the graveside of these parents and of the other people who are buried there. So we posted it on Instagram, on Richard Linda Iyer, and um, we just simply said, family mottos, some endure to the grave. We love them. Would you care to share yours? Well, we got all kinds of comments of people sharing what their family motto is. Let me read you a few of them. Um, someone named Jenna said, ours is continually learn, willingly serve, unconditionally love. And then we had another one that said, uh, we just pick one word to focus on each year. Last year, our word was smile. This year, it is uplift. We have a different word every year. Uh, another one said, uh, our family, this is someone named Marilyn, our family motto is, if, if you continually give, you will continually have. Isn't that interesting how different people take different yeah, approaches? Another one said, our, our motto is, no empty chairs. We want everyone to be included in everything. Now, you know, you could talk for a long time about each of these, but they're so... Um, they're just so interesting. And another one says, I can't list mine. It's too long. It is a family vision statement that we have posted on our wall. Another one said, um, several years ago, we had our kids come up with seven words that they felt best described our family. Adventurous, blessed, generous, supportive, welcoming, Christ-centered, and genuine. We take one word and capitalize it in each of these seven words, and it spells the word service. Oh, how fun. Isn't that great? Yeah. Um, uh, here's one. You'll love this one. This is called, this is on Mama Spurks. Uh, someone named, uh, with that handle, send in. Uh, since our kids were little, they're, they're now 23 through 14, we have said, our motto has been, we can do hard things. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Isn't that a great one? Then it goes on. And so you might say, well, big deal. Some cute little words. But you know, when you, of course, it's all in how you do it, right, Linda? If you just march in there one day and say, hey, we got a new family motto. But if you discuss with the kids, remember those, I, this is a fond, fond memory for me when we were trying to come up with a family motto and a family vision statement. And I think, if I remember right, and our kids, some of them were very small then, I think the first question was just what this one comment said. 
What are the words that you think describe our family? Or what are the words that should describe our family? Yeah. Remember yeah. how that rolled we out? Did, we actually went away for a weekend. Um, oh, to a little retreat. Yeah. To a little a hotel room. That was really cheap on weekends. That was really cheap on weekends. <laughs> And I had some ping pong in a swim pool, and we we decided we were going to go away and establish a family mission statement. And then out of that came our fam our family mission, right? What we were about, and then we had each of the kids go away for an hour and just think about their own mission statement for their own lives. Right. And it was so fun. I mean, it takes his time and place time for that to happen and a place for it to happen and it really was uh, remarkable now some people might say again i'm trying to think of you know how this sounds to other people well when you have time to do that and come on everybody's got their own life to live and we're all busy and so on but that's the very point it gets back to the root question is what is the basic unit of society is it the individual i don't think so i think it's the family and Families that become, again, best word we can come up with, institutionalized, they're the families that are going to list, they're going to go on. They're going to last generation after generation. And having a family motto, we, maybe we went overboard, honey. I, you know, we have a family flag. <laughs> we have a family slogan. We have a family mission statement that is, that is, in, that is gold leaf calligraphied in a frame that hangs on the wall at the place where we gather each summer. that took some time to happen. But, and you, would you and, like and to the, mention what it is? Well, in the ch- yeah, but, the, but I'll, I'll let you do that. I'll give you a drum roll. All right. Then, so our, our, our big, long family mission statement got reduced and reduced and finally got down to three words. <laughs> Broaden and contribute. It doesn't mean anything to you, but after a long discussion, this is what it meant to us. I mean, broaden, get the best education you can, however it is, maybe not just in school, but but everywhere. Educate yourself. But then it's your turn to give back. So give back. Give back to the world, whatever it is that you've gained. Then we have to say some time passed, and we, we had one, two more words that we added to that. Well, and these, this ties into what we said at the first of the show. This is, I had a really spiritual experience at one point where I felt like I felt a kind of a communication from the other side from my father, who had been dead for many years, and I, I wanted to embellish that or try to get into the details, but I came away from that with the feeling that the message he had sent to me were two words, love more. Not more love, but love more, so that love is an adjective. And we discussed that with our then grown children, and we all felt like, wow, that should be our second family motto. I mean, broaden and contribute, we developed that, and and we we, we took that to the hilt. Again, maybe we were overboard, but I remember kids would come home from school, and and around the dinner table, one of the conversations was, what, what happened today that broadened you in some way? Did you make a new friend? Did you see a new thing? Did you learn a new fact? I mean, what broadened you in some way? And what did you do today to contribute? Did you make any, did you compliment someone? Did you, um, did you, um, you know, help someone in any way? 
And just that constant consciousness, those are the two things, broaden and contribute. And I think over time, again, so many parents want quick results and they don't see anything changing and they give up on things. But over the long haul, I think it went into the very psyche, the very spirits of our our children and, and, yeah. and our own. I do too. And now this love more thing has taken hold because now we have a second generation and and we're all on board with that because we feel it was, it's a really important concept to just love more, no matter what, no matter who you see, no matter what happens. And uh, I think that helps with biases against people. Yeah, or, yeah. There are just so many interesting things. Yesterday on the plane, I, sh- I haven't told you this yet, I was getting on a plane and this young black boy, well, he was maybe tw- maybe 25, yeah. uh, was there, but he was walking around with his phone in front of him, and he'd never been, obviously never been on a plane before, and he, he really was mentally impaired, you could tell immediately, because he tried to go in with the first class people, and they said, oh, just wait for a minute, and then he started saying, they're not going to let me on the plane, they're not going to let me on the plane, to his phone, and everyone was hearing oh, what was going wow. on, and it, to me it was kind of scary, Yeah. and then, because he had a backpack on and so on. But then um, it finally ended up that he he got in. He he went in at the right time, but he was still wandering around the plane and doing strange things. And my first thought was, ooh, that kind of scares me. But my second thought was, oh, love more. This poor kid, oh, he is dealing with something yeah. so hard. I hope somebody's waiting for him there. Oh, That's really, you hadn't told me that, Linda, but that's so interesting because... Our tendency sometimes is to judge and to have fear in right. our hearts, which right. is the opposite of right. love. And I and clearly there are times when caution is, is wise, but if we start with the idea, how can I love more? How can I? And again, um, this is just a little, it's a couple of words, but if it's discussed, if it becomes a model, if it becomes a motto, uh, I think, you know, it leads to so many things. Now, what other ways have we seen families become institutionalized that we've admired? Um, I, I go back to Stephen Covey, one of our great mentors, and his his family and all the things they did. And by the way, I think their motto, or maybe that was his brother John Covey, yeah, that right. had the same motto as one of the ones that sent in, uh, no empty chairs, but the idea of getting together, being together. And during the pandemic, I think many families have actually become closer, at least extended families, because yeah. they're always online with each other. They're, 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 you know, what essentially they're saying is there's a lot of important things in the world. There's a lot of people I know in the world. There's a lot of things I do in the world. But at the very center of it all is my family, not just my children or not just my parents, but my extended family, my cousins, my uncles, my aunts, my ancestors, that's the core of my life. And I want to do everything I can to emphasize how powerful that is. Exactly. So for if you're a young family, doing something like the three things we talked about in the first half, as far as setting up a little economy so that the kids know what they're expected to do and that they're rewarded for things that they do and so on that that's another hour and a half well, so the home but, itself operates right. like a like a little institution like a in little, a positive yeah. sense and then you know set up uh, ways to have restrictions laws or 
uh, we didn't like rules the word very much because laws is more heavenly. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, so the, what is expected and what the consequences are going to be. And certain rituals or routines where maybe you have a study class in the morning or you do right. certain things on Sunday or you... Or that you have a tradition of celebrating birthdays a certain way or something. So it, it really pulls the family together. Uh, it's really, the, uh, that is the glue that holds the family together. Our youngest daughter, the one that lives in London, they, they have, you know, just little children, but they have a date night and they have a movie night and they have certain things they do each week that give this sense of meaning and belonging to their children. So we hope that we've given you some ideas no matter where you are in life. If you're older, start loving more, whatever. It really is a wonderful thing to think about. And institutionalize your families and think of that word in a new way. May you all have success in doing that over the long haul. Thanks for joining and bye-bye. See you next time on Ayers on the Road.